I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World. Japanese Prime Minister Yoshihiko Noda met with anti-nuclear activists and business leaders today in Tokyo. The meetings come as Noda's government is struggling to put together a post-Fukushima energy plan for Japan. The goal is to balance the country's economic needs with the widespread anti-nuclear sentiment following the 2011 tsunami and nuclear disaster at the Fukushima power plant. Since then, Japan has committed to big increases in renewable power. The big question now is whether the government's plan will also call for phasing out nuclear power, and if so, how quickly. Meanwhile, residents of the region affected by the Fukushima disaster are coming to their own conclusions. One of them is a former executive at TEPCO, the company that owns the Fukushima plant. His name is Eiju Hangai, and he recently spoke with a TV producer and a colleague of mine, Emily Taguchi. Emily and I worked together when I reported from Japan following the 2011 tsunami. This summer, Emily spent the better part of two months on a reporting project in the region, and she's with us now. Emily, tell us about this former TEPCO executive. I understand his life has taken a big turn since March of uh, 2011. Yeah, it certainly has. He is someone who worked at TEPCO for more than 30 years and had left the company shortly before the earthquake struck. And uh, about a week after the earthquake, he just started making trips back to Fukushima so that he could deliver supplies. And he met a woman at a shelter there who said, you know, this is great that you're doing this, but can't you do something that's more long-term, that's for the kids, that's going to create jobs? And so he's going to start a solar power company, and part of it's going to be dedicated to showing kids what it's like to work at a renewable power plant. Mm. So that's one man whose attitudes have clearly changed. What, what are the broader prospects for solar and other renewable power sources getting big in this part of Japan? Are residents there embracing renewables now? If solar has a chance at any time in Japanese history, it is now. Part of uh, what Prime Minister Khan did before he left office was to put a system of incentives in place where renewable energy producers can produce electricity and have a certain price that's guaranteed that they can sell. Um, At the same time, some of these towns that were ravaged by the tsunami are really looking at renewables very seriously as a way forward because of, A, their experience with radiation, but also it's a way to put these farmlands that were devastated by the seawater and can no longer produce back into a productive place by having it be a solar power plant. Wow. Now, you've been taking a close look as well at just what went wrong on March 11, 2011, and why the reactors at Fukushima were so vulnerable to the earthquake and tsunami that day. Mm-hmm. It's getting clearer with each passing month that part of the problem was a very cozy relationship between the Japanese government and officials at TEPCO, the utility. Yeah, that's right. So that collusion that you're talking about, uh, we call it the nuclear village, And at the very top, it's a relationship where the utilities were making financial contributions to the politicians. And in turn, government officials kind of at the end of their careers would get these high level jobs at the utilities. And also kind of at the village level, it's really the utilities that built them stadiums and parks and other kinds of infrastructure. And by some estimates, a third to half of the jobs in the village depended on the nuclear power plant being there. And so there was very much a cozy relationship, as you say. And there's been a slew of reports recently in the Japanese press about 
just how uh, the working conditions were even made more dangerous by the workers themselves who try to shield their radiation monitors so that they can stay on the job longer. Now, one of the stories you're working on is about two men who are on that cleanup crew inside the Fukushima plant. They're healthy. They're strong guys. I met one of them. Why are they willing to work under such hazardous conditions? You know, at the end of the day, it's where they're from. It's where they went to school. It's where they got married and had kids. A lot of their families and friends have left, and they just feel like it's up to them to fix the situation. It's not going to be an outsider that finds a solution. So one of the guys um, that I'm following, the one that you met last year, actually talked to me about, you know, he's going to stay at the plant for as long as he can until he reaches the upper limit of radiation. And then after that, he wants to get involved in the decontamination work that's going on in his village. Right. And uh, being exposed to that every day, how's his health? Um, He's 26 years old. He's so far in good health. It's not that he doesn't worry about his health. There's no way around that health concern. But at the same time, he just wakes up every day with a sense of mission that this is what he has to do. Finally, Emily, one of the most emotional moments you and I spent in the Fukushima area after the disaster was in the village of Itate, just to the north of the power plant. And the morning we went there, uh, the village was preparing for a full-scale forced evacuation because of spiked radiation levels. You've been back to the village now, uh, a year and a couple months later. Uh, It's a ghost town, Mm -hmm. but there is one woman who's still there. Tell us about her. Yeah, that's right. Her name is Mari Kobayashi. She used to run a small farm with chickens and organic fruits and vegetables there. And she's made the decision that it's still her home. It's the house where actually um, her late husband spent his last days and that she'd rather just coexist with radiation. She even has a little nickname for cesium. She calls it Seshiyama-kun. And it's kind of like a little character that she lives with, basically. And uh, I'd say, you know, I visited a number of other villages that's been evacuated. And it was just visibly really striking that they've just gone back to nature. You know, Marco, you saw it as well. Fukushima, I think, is a very green and lush place to begin with. It's full of rice paddies and peach farms. And now these little towns... You, what you see are grass, insects, cows roaming around, and other wildlife, and an occasional skeleton of a house that used to be somebody's home before the waves swept everything away. Journalist Emily Taguchi, who's recently returned from a lengthy reporting trip to the region around Japan's damaged Fukushima nuclear power plant. Emily, thank you so much. Thank you.